Good morning. Today is a day of celebration. For a year, it seemed like we were on a wilderness journey and we were busy seeking where God might be leading us. It was an introspective time when we paused to look at where we had been and also to identify who we were and to discern what God would have us become. We asked ourselves difficult questions and we struggled with the answers. We worked hard at developing a profile that would define the character of First Alliance Church. We as a congregation and elder leadership prayed hard, seeing we were seeking the mind of God. And we prayed that as he prepared our new shepherd, that he would also work in our own hearts and minds so that we would be sensitive to his leading and that we would have discernment to his will. We determined that we did not want to seek out a leader that was only fashioned from our designs and desires or someone who would just make us feel good and tell us what we wanted to hear, but rather that he would be the man that God had raised up and that had prepared, had, that God had prepared for our need in this time. As our elders fervently sought the will and the leading of God, <clears throat> we firmly believe that God has graciously and in his sovereignty answered our prayers. Today we rejoice, we give thanks to God, and we affirm that God has led and brought Mark Harris to us as our lead pastor, our shepherd, the man through whom God will reveal his vision for the next chapter in the life of First Alliance Church. Today, as we worship our sovereign Lord, we give him glory and praise. We lift high his name and boldly proclaim that God is Lord over all. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. To God be the glory. Good morning. I am Mark Brumley, lead pastor at Flight Path Fellowship. And I would like to welcome Pastor Mark Harris and family to Erie. I'm excited you've come to First Alliance, and I look forward to the leadership and vision that you will bring to ministry. Erie is a mission field that we are all committed to reaching for Christ, and I trust that your addition to the team will be used by God to further His kingdom. Hi, Pastor Mark. This is Jack Reisner, one of the pastors here at Erie First Assembly, and we want to welcome you to the community. I look forward to getting to meet you personally. Just some things you need to know about Erie itself that I've discovered in the last 16 years that I've been here. And first of all, you need to know about family. This is an incredible community for family. Families gather together all through this community, especially in the summer and in the parks. And so you're going to enjoy this whole wonderful family community. Secondly, you need to know about snow. It only does not snow in July. Just be aware of that. Have your shovel ready and just enjoy the snow. So, Pastor Mark, we want to just tell you we're delighted that you're here. Glad you're part of what God's doing in this city. You're pastoring one of the great churches in this region. First Alliance is known for its compassion and for its love. We're glad that you're here to help lead that congregation.
a couple months ago, a friend of mine called me and said that First Alliance had hired their new pastor, Mark Harris. And honestly, my first thought was I realized that for him had broken up, but I didn't know their lead singer had become a pastor. And then I understood it was a different Mark Harris. Um, then I found out he was from Wisconsin. And I thought, you know, the, the last thing we need here is another annoying Packers fan in, in the region, especially the Super Bowl going the way that it did. But, but then I heard he had a doctorate in preaching. And, uh, man, I, I had the feeling that what it must have been like for the high school quarterback in Mississippi when, when he heard that Brett Favre was coming to practice that day is just a little intimidating. Um, but, but all kidding aside, Mark, we're, we're really thrilled that you're here. And, and our staff has been praying for, for First Alliance and for you uh, for a long time now and, and praying that this transition would happen well. We, we know a little bit about transition lately at Grace and uh, know that there can be good and bad that comes with that. And we're praying for God's blessing on you as you transition into the area and for Teresa and Lauren and Nathan and Andrew and, and Samantha as they also make the transition to Erie. And I'm reminded of this passage, and I just want to speak it over you on, on this day of, of celebration. We've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every good way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. And so that's our prayer for you and for your church. And uh, may God be with you during this day of celebration. Would you listen along this morning as I read from Scripture? I'll be reading from uh, the prophet Jeremiah and also the epistle of 1 Timothy. In Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 10, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Sovereign Lord, I responded, I did not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to. And say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declared the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. In 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 16, it says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do... You will save both yourself and your hearers. The word of the Lord. Good morning. It's an honor to be here this morning. I'm delighted to be here again to preach again and to welcome our pastor. Um, the first thing that I received was a, a piece of paper, and I saw my name in the letter eight alongside of it. And so I said, what does that mean? 
And they said, well, you have eight minutes to deliver your message. <clears throat> and I was just, uh, okay. So, so here's kind of, you know that it takes eight minutes for a preacher to just clear his throat and to get into his introduction, right? So here we are. Here's what happened. In the early service, I gave the first quarter of the message. I'm going to give you the second quarter, and you're invited to lunch with me for the second half. Okay? So here we go. In eight minutes, Lord willing. I'm looking at the clock. I know, I know my time now. What the Lord impressed upon me, Pastor Mark, is a passage that Jesus delivered uh, to many people who gathered around. It was early in his ministry. In fact, it's the Sermon on the Mount. The very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes. And the first Beatitude is this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is the poor in spirit. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Literally, what this passage says, as I understand it, is blessed are those who are bankrupt in spirit because of them is God's kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit because of them is the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus builds from there on. Not only are you getting just the second quarter, but technically this message is directed to pastor. But unions can listen in as well, okay? So it's a two-for-one deal. A two-for-one deal just for you. Pastor, I believe that what this passage, what this phrase is talking about, blessed are the poor in spirit, is that we need to be humbly and dependent upon the Lord. So that our spirit, so that whoever Jeff is, my name is Jeff, Jeff Norris. If you don't know that, it's not that we're full of Jeff, but Jeff, there's less of Jeff and more of Christ. When John the Baptist was on earth and he was becoming popular. And then his popularity diminished and people started transferring their trust to Jesus. They came to John thinking that this, that this would upset him. But John said, he must increase, I must decrease. Pastor, that's a key in understanding this passage. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for of them is the kingdom of heaven. Along with that, not recently, I saw the title of a bestseller. I actually read the book. It's called... Um, How full is your bucket? Anyone seen that? How full is your bucket? Anyone read that? Oh, good. So I can make up anything I want. (laughs) Actually, I did read the book, but the title of the book just grabbed a hold of me because of what the Lord was doing in my life. Not recently. Actually, it was before December. We were out. uh, We were out on vacation and Lynette and I went kayaking and I fell backwards and and hurt my shoulder, my left shoulder. I caught myself and then I was out scouting for bear and climbed up a tree and fell out of a tree. I went to go see my doctor. He said and then I went to a specialist and the specialist just took on the piece of paper, not unlike the paper I had this morning with the number eight on it, but he took. A piece of paper, legal size, in red letters, and wrote a big 51 on it and just began circling it. I said, what does this mean to you? I'm like, I don't know, like, like my age? Yeah, would you please act it? So anyway, this same doctor operated on my shoulder. I totally tore my rotator cuff and tore two bicep tendons as well. And so he had the surgery, and then that happened on Friday. 
And I said, so Sunday, can I preach? And he just looked at me and he said, uh, you'll do it anyway, right? I'm like, yeah. And so, well, go ahead then. If you can tolerate it, they can tolerate it. Then a week or so later, my son's car broke down, a pickup truck, and it needed all kinds of stuff. Brakes, ball joints, motor mounts. And so who needs a sling? You know what I mean? Who needs a sling? Are you with me? Who needs a sling? It's an annoyance. So I threw the sling away, and I'm working, and I'm working on this car, and I'm doing all this stuff. And then I see my PT, and he is on me like ugly on ape. I mean, he's on me like white on rice. I mean, he is yelling at me. What in the world do you think you're doing? You've probably ripped those tendons out and retorn your rotator cuff. And I mean, he was just all over me. And um, through that, the Lord pounded upon me this verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, I was raised on Clint Eastwood and John Wayne. And pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Good, clean violence. Amen? And the Lord just flat out pounded on me and pounded on me. Because the reality is, I was not poor in spirit. I was full of jab. And the very first beatitude is, blessed are those who are bankrupt in self. Poor in spirit. You see, the idea about how full is your bucket. See, if you've got pride and conceit and, and all of these things of yourself in that bucket, if your bucket is so full, then God can't fill it because it's already full. Amen? But what can God do with an empty bucket that has been cleansed? With an empty bucket that has been cleansed, He can fill with His Spirit to overflowing. The Lord Jesus can come and dwell in it and live his life through that empty bucket. So that when the bucket gets shaken and things happen to shake the bucket, don't they? I bet that some of us driving here this morning got our bucket shaken a little bit. Amen. I was following someone and they stopped at a light and good grief, the light turned green and they just sat there and they moved up a little bit. And I almost started going around them. They actually came to early service. I'm glad I behaved and didn't just zoom. Or moms and dads putting the kids to bed or teenagers to bed. Or You see, a bucket's full of self, and that bucket gets shaken. What comes out? Self. So, Pastor, how full is your bucket? How full is your bucket? You are a person of tremendous talent, skill, ability, a wonderful personality, great education, great training, background, great background, great experience. But my brother, how full is your bucket? May I challenge you to start every day, to start every conversation, to start every encounter, to start everything with an empty bucket by dying to self. And by asking the Lord God Almighty, Jesus himself said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit when you ask? And so to cleanse that bucket, to empty that bucket, and ask the Holy Spirit to fill that bucket moment by moment by moment, and then claim those words of Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I live, but Christ liveth in me. The life that is lived in the flesh is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So, Pastor, how full is your bucket? 
as you come, as you have accepted this call, may your bucket begin by being empty of self. But then, may it be filled with the Holy Spirit. And may you be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. If a man remain in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Much fruit to the Father's glory. My brother, how full is your bucket? May it be constantly, may it be being filled with the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that when your bucket is shaken, when your bucket bounces into other people, it will be the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ that spills out and will be a blessing to others. How full is your bucket? May the Lord bless you. May he grace you with his grace. And may he give you every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. And may your bucket be continually overflowing with the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And all God's children said, Amen and Amen. The Lord bless you. Distinguished guests from Punxsutawney get eight minutes. Resident underlings get six. (laughs) On behalf of the church body, I do want to thank you, Dr. Norris, for coming and sharing this day with us. It means a great deal to us that, that, that you would do that. Thank you. Well, today marks a brand new beginning for First Alliance Church. It's a day full of hope. And full of praise to God for the coming together of pastor and people. A day full of hope for the future. As we open this new chapter together, I'm reminded of God's words spoken through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 43. When he said, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And today we would say, yes, Lord, we see it. It's not that the past doesn't matter but that we build upon it as we stand on the shoulders of those who have served before and focus on the new and different things God wants to do in our midst. I want to remind us all that uh, no successful, healthy ministry is ever a one-man show. Although we install Mark today in the special office of senior pastor, uh, called and set apart by vows of faithfulness, we are bound together in a partnership, a partnership marked by a shared message, by mutual service, and by love. We're in this together. Uh, Therefore, I would charge us all, as God's people gather together at First Alliance Church, with these things. First, we must expect to change. That's because the Father still calls us, His Son still walks among us, and His Spirit still breathes upon us. We have called Mark to help us discern God's leading, to encourage us along our journey of becoming more like his son and to lead us in reaching a lost and dying world with a life-changing message of the gospel. Change will come as our years unfold together. Change that should not alarm us or disturb us, but change that comes from the fresh winds of God's spirit blowing across his people. Second, we must remember that we are called together as the body of Christ to carry out God's purposes. 
Mark is not a proxy for our labor. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4 that each of us has been given special gifts, not for personal acclaim, but so the church would be equipped for the work of ministry, for the building up of itself in love. We can expect to be comforted by Mark's ministry, but we can also expect to be challenged and and confronted by it as well. We already have. Our little corner of the world needs to know God's love and grace through each one of us. This is a partnership of people and pastor on behalf of a mighty and merciful God. We have been called to holy work. And third, we must honor Mark's ministry. While this is a partnership, there is also a peculiar setting apart that happens when a man accepts a call from a trusting congregation and takes installation vows of faithfulness. In honoring Mark's ministry, let us first of all pray for him. Pray that he will know the mind of Christ as he leads us and teaches us. Pray that he will be protected from the evil one. If anyone in this place will wear a target on his back, it is our lead pastor. Pray for him for God's protection. And let us tell him that we're praying for him and for Teresa and for their children. And let us determine to understand that there will be times when he will need to be with them rather than with us. Let us encourage him as our pastor our teacher, and our friend. Notes and emails are better than phone calls, but please don't expect a reply to each one. He'd be a very busy man. Indeed, today affirms once again that by God's grace, we are partners in the sharing of the gospel. May we continually remember that he has called us to this time and this place for a reason that he has worked for us to do. And may God give us, pastor and people, many good years of serving him together. Paul wrote, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls us is faithful and he will do it. Amen. It was July 1974 when I went to camp. Uh, for the first time, I went to uh, ride burrows and shoot air rifles and chase girls. Uh, but God had a different agenda for me. He had me on his schedule that week. And before I left, I had questions answered that I didn't even think about asking. Questions of destiny and purpose. And, you know, not bad for a 12-year-old kid, right, to have all these things figured out. I thought, well, all right. I came face to face with God. And I, I, I knew he was... My Savior was going to take me to heaven. He was up there waiting for me one day and all of that. But, but I came to realize, no, 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 he wants a relationship with me right now. And, and through this, I can understand him and what he's about and what he has for me. I, this was the greatest message in the world. And, and I knew at that point, God would have me to be a senior pastor. And I've, I've never wavered for that from that much. Uh, I remember I was at, at Moody Bible Institute and and uh, I really got involved with the inner city uh, ministry, especially the, the students, the kids who are growing up in the projects, uh, different life. And so I worked a lot with them. And I remember my senior year, one of the directors for one of the large inner city youth missions uh, contacted me and I knew him. And he and I went out and he, he asked me if I would come and work alongside of him and give the rest of my life to inner city youth work. And then when he left, he'd give me a pass the baton to me. 
And I remember sitting on in Culbertson dormant Moody in a big window. I'm looking out over the Sears Tower and I sat there for I don't know how long wrestling with this in my heart. And when I got up, I had known that, that no, God had called me to the local church. And so I renewed my commitment to the, to the senior pastor at the, the local church. This is what God has me for. Then I graduated from Columbia Bible College. If you know anything about Columbia, very missions, missions, mission school. So I came out of there and I was going to be a missionary. And, and I had applied with international teams. I was accepted, believe it or not. And I was going to Asia. And so I came home and I made all the preparations. And, and just before, really, I was supposed to leave, my folks step into my room and they pulled the trump card on me that folks do once in a while. Uh, my folks have only done this twice, though. And they said, you know, if you really feel God has this for you, you know, go. But you're going without our blessing. I thought, oh. You know, without the parents' blessing, I had enough Bill Gothard in me. I couldn't, couldn't go. I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with this. What do I do with this? And about that time, Appleton Alliance Church called me on the phone. I don't know how they got my name. I never sent anything to them. I thought the alliance was a cult or something. It'll be alliance. alliance. Doesn't, it sounds kind of bad, doesn't it? We, got a, we, got a, we had a marketing issue we had to work through. But I'm, I'm, so I was struggling with that. But it was only four hours from my home. So I drove up to it. Didn't know what else to do. And I couldn't go to Bangkok right now. And so I, I went up, uh, talked with a pastor who used to teach at Moody. And so I thought, oh, these guys are okay. And, and God reaffirmed in my heart then, no, this is it, Mark, the local church. And so when I started there, you know, they, 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 it was the youth ministry position. But I went into his office and I said, you know, I'll do the youth. And, I, you know, I love the youth and that. But I really want to be a, a senior pastor. I think that's what God has for me one day. So, you know, teach me to marry and bury and all those wonderful things. And so, yeah, we can do that. And so that means he just gave me lots of other stuff to do is what it came down to. Um, but that's another story. So I worked through that six years of that. Then I, Teresa and I went to Cincinnati, went Cincinnati College Hill Presbyterian Church. Um, those were the best of times and the worst of times. You know, I got there and the church split. Not my fault. Just so you know, I didn't do anything to do with that one. Don't be fearing anything. Let's write some letters and get this guy out of here before that happens. That didn't that wasn't my fault. But the church split. Then I got sick and I had this brain surgery thing and, and, and it, all kinds of turmoil externally as far as internally. But fruit, I don't think Teresa and I have ever seen such fruit with our, our neighbors and in church. And I think God um, taught me grace in a huge way. And he didn't eradicate, unfortunately, but he certainly curbed the workaholism that I had built in my my heart. I thought that's what ministry was about. When I got the call to go back to Appleton uh, as the youth minister, you know, I was at one point we were considering disability. I'm thinking, I'm, 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 Lord, you're benching me here. What about the call of a senior pastor? I must have heard it wrong or something. And OK, I'll go back. Finally, I got the call to go back into youth ministry. I thought, well, OK, this will work. So I did that for, for a while. My heart was really there. Then they moved me to be the executive pastor at the church. Um, they quickly moved me out of that and moved me into being the uh, associate for adult ministries. And then I went to being a teaching, the teaching pastor. I think they just couldn't figure out what to do with me. So they kept bouncing me around. Who knows what it would be, be next? But they kept bouncing me around. But the teaching pastor was an incredible position. I mean, the church was flying. It was moving in the right direction. I couldn't have wrote a better job description. You know, I did nothing. I showed up at church. I hung out in the office. I studied all the time and preached. Well, listen, you can't get better than this, right? And, and so that was on my heart. But yet, there was still this holy discontent, I call it. Think, enjoying what God had for me, but thinking, you know, Lord, that senior pastor thing, is that, that's not, that's okay. And every Friday, for, I mean, back to when I probably came out of camp, 12, I would be 
praying for my, myself. That was my day. You know, I had my prayer notebook, prayed for everybody else throughout the week. But that was my day. I really prayed for God's will. What is it you have for me, Lord? And if this is it, this is great. Thank you. A lot of other pastors would die for this. Thank you. But if it's something else, would, would you let me know? And I came across First Alliance Church's uh, ad, I think, on a web page thing. I contacted uh, Dr. Norris, sent him my stuff, ended up having a conversation with him on the phone. And one of the questions he asked me was, Mark, why should First Alliance Church hire you as their senior pastor? And I said, well, I don't know if they should. You know, I don't know anything about the church. I don't know about their makeup. I don't know about their vision, their goals. I don't know about how we mesh. I don't know if they should do that. And we had a great, it was a great conversation. And I hung up. I thought, man, I would love to work underneath that, that guy. That would be good. I talked with the search team, and it was a wonderful conversation. Uh, I talked with the board, and then they flew Teresa and myself out. And at this point, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous, because we've been down this road a little bit once in a while, and either, you know, I would say no, Teresa would say no, they would say no. And it was, eh. But this one started moving ahead, and it started feeling too right. And I started thinking, oh, no, we might have to leave, and I'm kind of comfortable where I am. And so we came here, and I was kind of hoping I could say, God, I tried, and it just didn't work. You know, that was that was my goal. And so we, we I put stuff on the table with the board. Oh, yeah. Well, what about this? And they would. Yeah, that's good. And what about this? And I said, well, that's where I am. And it, it was a good conversation. It was like a Cinderella slipper thing. And we got back to the, the, uh, the room in the, the hotel. And Teresa says, yeah, this is what God has for us. And uh, when the board flew my family out and I saw how they took care of my children, how y'all embraced my kids. We got home after that. And we were sitting around the kitchen table at night and we were all snacking on something. And my oldest daughter, she said, well, Dad, what are you going to do if they call you? And I said, well, this isn't a democracy, but what do you all think? And we went around the table and everybody said two things. They said, I'm not so sure I want to go. This is my home. My friends are here. I like it here. It's my life. But number two, I really think God wants us to go. And so we got all done. And then Lauren says again, well, Dad, so what are you going to tell him? I says, well, uh, let me tell you back what I'm hearing. Uh, I should, uh, you, uh, you know, I should tell God, right, that we know what you want us to do, but we really want to do this. So we're going to do what we want to do instead of what you want us to do. And they said, no, 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 no. Don't tell God that. No, don't say that. <laughs> so uh, so we're here. And the, the journey here has been fantastic. And today I, I wear the put on the, the cloak of the senior pastor of First Alliance Church. And I've got to tell you, it's a very humbling thing. It's a scary thing. It's an honor. But there's an incredible responsibility that I've, I've felt from, from, from day one. Uh, and I want you to know four commitments I want to make to y'all. And you have, I'm giving you permission to hold me accountable on these things. Anybody, hold me accountable on these things. But, but first commitment I want to make to you is a commitment to keep my walk with Christ first. I've got feet of clay. I'm very I'm going to stumble. I know I will. But the most important thing uh, is the most important thing. I used to have a plaque in my office uh, back home that said the church's most pressing need is my personal holiness. And that's true. It's not a sharper illustration for a sermon. It's not another program. It's it's my being able to hear his voice. I've got to walk close to him. If I'm going to know his mind, I've got to know him. And so I've got to enmesh myself in, in scripture. I've got to immerse myself on my knees and, and with him and in his presence. Um, 
it's imperative. And so that's my first commitment to y'all that I, I will seek him first. A second commitment I would make is, is that I would commit to you to keep my family a priority. Again, I've got feet of clay. I'm sure I'm going to stumble and I'm never going to nail being the dad or the husband that I'm supposed to be. But I've got to try my my children. The window is slowly closing. The number one responsibility I think God has for leaders in his church, he says straight up, how in the world can you lead the church if you can't lead your own family? Paul tells Timothy. And, and I've got to dedicate and devote the appropriate, not worship my family, but but. You know, it's interesting. God's number one title for himself that he chooses for himself in Scripture is Father. And you've got to model that. You've got, you got to love your wife the way Jesus loves the church. You've got to try. So that's a commitment I would make to you. Third commitment I would make to you is to put a priority, keep a priority on the teaching of God's word. Really, this is why I got into this, this deal in the first place. In all honesty, I, I left uh, camp, I remember, and my goal was to know God. And I understood the only way I could really know him is through his word. And so I've really got to know this so I can know him. And so that's why I went to Moody. But I'm trying to think this, figure this out and thinking, now, what job will they pay you to get to know God through his word? The pastor, they'll pay a pastor to get in there and study God's word. That's the job for me. So, so the goal is sanctification, right? It, it's transformation. And the only way we're going to be transformed is, is, is understanding of his word. Now, knowing God's word, you can know God's word and not know God, right? We all know we all know some of these folk. They know God's word maybe better than we do. And they don't walk very close. We don't want anything to be, we don't really like them, but they've got the knowledge down. But here's the deal. You can't, you can know God's word and not be godly, but you can't be godly without knowing God's word. You have got to know, know his word. I think I've got, I don't forget where I got this thing from. It's in my, my Bible, the, the back, just to remind me. It's called The Highest Calling. And I read it every once in a while when I'm struggling in my office. The big idea is not coming. I'm banging my head against the desk trying to figure out what I'm going to say. It says, fling him into his office. Tear the office sign from the door. Nail on the sign, study. Take him off the mailing list. Lock him up with his books and his typewriter and his Bible. Slam him down on his knees before texts and broken hearts and the flick of lives in a superficial flock before a holy God. Force him to be the one man in our surfeited communities who knows about God. Throw him in the ring to box with God until he learns how short his arms are. Engage him to wrestle with God all the night through and let him come out only when he's bruised and beaten into being a blessing. Shut his mouth forever spouting remarks and stop his tongue forever light, tripping lightly over every non-essential. Require him to have something to say before he dares break the silence and bend his knees in the lonesome valley. Burn his eyes with weary study. Wreck his emotional poise with worry for God. And make him exchange his pious stance for a humble walk with God and man. Make him spend and be spent for the glory of God. Rip out his telephone. Burn up his ecclesiastical success sheets. Put water in his gas tank. Give him a Bible and tie him to the pulpit and make him preach the word of the living God. Test him, quiz him, examine him, humiliate him for his ignorance of things divine. Shame him for his good comprehension of finances, batting averages, and political infighting. Laugh at his frustrated effort to play psychiatrist. Form a choir and raise a chant and haunt him with it day and night, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. When at long last he dares to say the pulpit, ask him if he has a word from God. If he does not, then dismiss him. 
Tell him you can read the morning paper and digest the television commentaries and think through the day's superficial problems and manage the community's weary drives and bless the sordid baked potatoes and green beans better than he can. Command him not to come back until he's read and reread, written and rewritten, until he can stand up worn and forlorn and say, Thus saith the Lord. Break him across the board of his ill-gotten popularity. Smack him hard with his own prestige. Corner him with questions about God. Cover his demands for celestial wisdom and give him no escape until his back is against the wall of the word. Sit down before and listen to the only word he has left. God's word. Let him be totally ignorant of the down the street gossip, but give him a chapter and order, order him to walk around it, camp on it, sup with it, and come at last to speak it backwards and forwards until all he says about it rings with the truth of eternity. And when he's burned out by the flaming word, when he's consumed at last by the fiery grace blazing through him, and when he's privileged to translate the truth of God to man and finally transferred from earth to heaven, then bury him away gently and blow a mute trumpet and lay him down softly, place a two-edged sword on his coffin, and raise the tomb triumphant, for he was a brave soldier of the word. And ere he died, he had become a man of God. That which is going to change us, me, you, is going to be the word of God. I think God showed me a couple of weeks back. God and I were hanging out. And uh, he said, Mark, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. you got something wrong here. You think I brought you here to use you? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, maybe I'll use you. I brought you here to teach you. This is the next step. And you, get, you, you said you want to get to me. This is the next step. And you get to know me. This is part of the sanctification process f- for me. And it's my desire uh, to open God's word to, to my commitment to you to come prepared with it. A fourth uh, commitment I would, I would make to you is in the area of leadership. I would commit to lead in a way that I would trust to honor God with. Uh, I'm certainly not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I recognize that. And God has given us a team with the elders, with the staff, to pray through and to think through and to to, to counsel with at different times. I want to make sure that the decisions I make are not uh, the least controversial or the most popular or the ones that are, are going to be less confrontational. But the decisions we have to make are the ones that would honor God first and foremost. You know, when I was uh, at, at uh, school, uh, Gordon Conwell, Haddon Robinson, I don't know if you're familiar with Haddon or not. Haddon's kind of a big name in the homiletics arena. And there's like 30 of us want to be pastors the first day of class. And Haddon walks in and we're all kind of in awe because of this, this guy. He's got this real gruff voice. And he says, I hope you'll like me. But frankly, I don't care. Just my job is to make you the greatest preacher you can be. Now, you need to know, I hope you like me. And frankly, I really do care. I really do care. But there's just too much at stake, isn't it? The time is just too short to make decisions that we are thinking through. Now, who's going to be upset? Who's going to be discouraged? We've got to choose to do what God would want us to do. And no doubt, everybody sitting here, there'll be a time when you'll say, yeah, but he blew it on this one. Uh, no doubt. And I may. I may. But we have to seek God that, with that direction. So today I put on the, the cloak. The senior pastor of First Alliance. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled and grateful to put
put that on, I recognize I hold it lightly because God can take it from me whenever he wants and call me home tomorrow. If the cloud moves, you've got to move, right? You're in the desert. He's the, he's the king. But this is my heart, just so you all know. Uh, my goal in coming here is to finish off the rest of my full-time ministry days here. Erie is my home. First Alliance Church is, is our commitment. We're in with both feet, 100%. And understanding that... I've got about two decades probably left before it'd be time to take off the cloak and pass it on to the next person. And so my goal for, for me, for us as a body, is in that two decades. Uh, will we leave First Alliance Church better than how we found it? Would God be, will we be uh, empty of ourselves, like, like Dr. North said, and allow uh, his spirit to work through us and to lead? This is his church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's his. He wants to lead it. We just got to kind of be the right conduit and let him do such. So, so two things I'd ask from y'all. One, Dave had already mentioned that you'd pray for us, that you'd pray for my family, myself. You'd pray for the staff, the Board of Elders on a regular basis because if Satan wants to take this place down, it would seem that he'd start with the leadership. A second thing I just want to remind you, remind me of. And that is to focus appropriately. You know, you got to love. I love the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, you know, it's kind of the hall of faith, like the best of the best of God's people are in there. About 30 men and women, the cream of the crop, the best, strongest faith, people whose names I'd never be listed with. But but the main people, some of the greatest leaders, some of the greatest uh, innovative minds and thoughts of faith are there. And then when you get to chapter 12 and. Keep in mind, the, the numbers weren't added until like 1500. I mean, the author didn't sit down and write, okay, Hebrews 11, okay, I'm done with that. Hebrews 12, those weren't there. And so he keeps going in chapter 12. And you would think he would say, therefore, we've got all this list of great people. Well, look at them and just kind of be inspired. What's he say? He says, focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And if you look to people... The new person, a new president, a new pastor, a new board, a new staff to save. You know, we're just setting ourselves up for disappointment, failure. But if we focus on Jesus, we recognize this is his place. And he wants to use each of us in our, in our sphere. He can do what he can do. He's God. So thank you. Pray for us. Pray for my family. I know this is a side point thing, but... Um, I'm very grateful my wife is here with me today. Um, my baby daughter is floating around someplace. But, uh, you know, if God didn't bring us here for me, he brought us, y'all, he brought us here so y'all could have Teresa. She's excellent. I don't want to put too much there. Uh, she's her own person. She's not, she's not perfect. She loves Jesus very much. And, and uh, I'm very grateful to serve alongside her. So pray for her as she deals with me and the precious of the ministry. Thanks. I know I shouldn't dwell on these number things, but since they've been brought up, you know, they had the distinguished guest was eight minutes. Those with a nice head of gray hair was six minutes. And the youth pastor, two minutes. So, you know, don't know what that's all about, but hey, um, you've gotten to hear a charge from Dr. Norris and, and to our pastor and, and also a charge to you. 
as, as a whole body from Pastor Dave and uh, Pastor Mark's response. And now it's your turn to be able to respond and, and to, to be challenged as a community, as a congregation. There's nothing better, I feel, as a pastor to know that your congregation is behind you. And uh, you will get to do that here in a moment. And, and what I'm going to ask is I'm going to read three questions to you. And I would just ask that you would respond to these questions affirmatively by saying, we will, nice and loud as, as a congregation. So I'm going to ask that you stand to your feet. People of God, will you receive Pastor Mark Harris as a messenger of Jesus Christ, sent to serve all people with the gospel of hope and salvation, and will you regard him as a servant of Christ? Will you join our pastor in his ministry of the gospel and serve alongside him as faithful witnesses to Jesus Christ? And finally, will you promise to pray for him and his family and in all things strive to live together in the peace and unity of Christ? Thank you. I'd ask that you would remain standing as we go into a time of prayer and if the board of elders would come on up along with the Harris's. Would you join with us as we uh, follow along with that First Timothy passage today? And the elders will be laying hands on uh, Pastor Mark and Teresa and their family. But agree, we are coming before the throne of God, and we are placing someone very precious to us uh, before his altar. So uh, follow along with us and pray. Please pray with us. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you are a living God, a God that you want us to talk to, that you want us to interact with, because only through those interactions and those prayers and the reading of your word do we discover your will for our lives, both as individuals and as a group and body of believers here at First Alliance. We know, dear Lord, that those prayers are so important. And we're so thankful that your congregation here at First Alliance is committed to the importance and value of prayer. Those prayers, along with the prayers of and support and assistance of Dr. Norris and those at the district office, have led us along this journey, a journey that was not without its bumps, not without the difficulties and distractions that come from an imperfect people trying to discover and carry out the will of you, a perfect God. But we are grateful that the prayers of your people for the search committee, for the board of elders, and for we as a congregation have led us to this point. They led us through the interviews, the deliberations, and the decisions, and this final decision that brought Pastor Mark and his family here to us in Erie at First Alliance Church. We're so grateful for your leading, for leading us to Pastor Mark, but also we're thankful that you spoke to Pastor Mark, to Teresa, their children, that you had them be open to your leading to bring them to us here in Erie. And as we've heard, the children, even the children, those that are so precious, realize the importance of following you rather than their own desires. 
So, Lord, we're so thankful and grateful again for this day, for where you have brought us, and may we always strive to have that childlike faith. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for this auspicious occasion, this day that we've looked forward so long. Lord, we just thank you for your presence here with us, for guiding us through this process to this point. Now, Lord, I want to lift up Mark, his wife, Teresa, and his children, Lauren, Nathan, Andrew, and Samantha. I'm asking, O oh Lord, for a special legion of angels to surround this family. I'm asking you, O oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guard and protect them night and day, seven days a week. May they know, Lord, that everyone in this room is on their side. May they know that everyone in this room is in their corner. But most importantly, may they know whether trial, tribulation comes, or sorrow, or blessing, or prosperity, and success. May they know and experience that their anchor holds within the veil on the rock Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can sustain us and keep us through whatever life throws at us. Lord, may Mark give priority to his family. May he lead them and show them what it means to have a true godly father and a true godly husband. And may Teresa be a true godly wife. And may this relationship bloom and blossom. And may this family be an example to all of us. May they not consider themselves in a fishbowl. But may they know that they're loved and cared for by every one of us and by you especially. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing this family to us in Christ's name. Lord, you have given us uh, two of the most significant events in life that we experience are death and birth. And Father, we have, as a church have experienced death. Death of an era of Pastor Rick's leadership. And Lord, we as a congregation have experienced that death as maybe as a cousin might experience a death, uh, maybe uh, taking a day off work and paying respects. And But Father, our staff, our staff has experienced the death of that era as a a brother or a sister, as a father or mother or son or daughter, taking time to mourn, Lord, the, uh, an era of vital ministry, of excitement, and of being in lockstep, Lord, with excite, the excitement of that old era. And Father, uh, throughout this search process, it's like the pregnancy period, Lord, where, uh, you know, there are um, cravings, there are pains and morning sickness. And, Father, the, again, the staff experiencing that not as a friend looking uh, in from the outside, but, but as a, a person who is deeply tied to the, to the one who is pregnant. And the difficulties day after day in getting through that time. Lord, the time when the birth comes is great joy and excitement and relief for our staff, knowing that this process is concluded. But as the baby comes home, there are sleepless nights, there are dirty diapers, there are sicknesses and illnesses throughout the early days of the new era. Father, we are excited for the new era. The staff looks forward to this new era, and yet it is not without the challenges and difficulties of raising a young baby. 
Father, we pray that in every way for our staff, you would help them to deal with your hand through the death of an old era and the birth of a new era. Father, Mark recognizes just how key this team is. And Father, may in every way you bring them together as a family to raise up a new era of First Alliance Church. And may we, Lord, as a congregation, uh, join uh, with a full head of steam behind all of them, coming around them and celebrating the exciting future and the growth of this uh, from a young baby in our new era to an adolescent uh, to mature and exciting ministry. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Father God, clearly you have sent us a servant, a brother, someone that um, we can truly like and love. But Lord, you have also sent your man here. He is your sent one. And so, Father, right now, we just um, give you great praise and thank you for the culmination of a vision that you had given him at a camp long ago. Father, it's good to be catching up with you, for you have already seen what is happening this day, and you also see what will happen in this church for years to come. There are many people in this city that have yet to come to know you, but yet, Lord, you are calling them even now. Father, we gather together uh, for Pastor Mark. And, Lord, we reminded the words that you gave to Joshua uh, to repeatedly to be strong and courageous. Lord, to take the word of God that you gave to Moses and to keep those continually upon his lips, to meditate upon them in his heart and to be obedient to them. Father, like Joshua, let Pastor Mark lead us into new territory for the kingdom. We pray that your spirit would give him vision, that you would speak through the word of God clearly to us, and, Lord, that we would be following hard after Jesus Christ. Lord, continue to bless him, anoint him with your spirit, have him to preach the good news, and let us to receive it. Lord, give us eyes to see the oppressed, and those that need you that are lost. Give us ears to hear the word of God and a heart that's true to obey it. Father, we just love this man. We love this family and ask your anointing and your spirit to be poured out on them in a way that's pressed down, shaken together, and just overflowing. Father, for you are a God. There's no man that's our God, but you are a God. So we trust that your word is just and true. And we will hear from you in this next season of First Alliance Church. So, Father, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask your anointing upon Pastor Mark and your blessings to us. In Christ Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, it's a joy and an honor to welcome you on behalf of the congregation to First Alliance Church. And, you know, in Scripture we read that at just the right time, God sent his son, and we believe that at just the right time, God sent you to us. And so we want to welcome you, and we want to commit, as we already have, to pray for you. But we also, and I would challenge us today, to open our hearts so that when you do teach and preach the word, we will listen and hear to what the Spirit is saying to this church, and that we would obey. And so uh, I commit my heart to be open to that. 
Everybody say amen. And we want to give you a gift, and this time you can take it with you. And um, these are from Campbell Pottery down by our neck of the woods. And that's a lovely place you should come visit um, and bring your checkbook. And uh, you can display those in your home. And we just want to say welcome. We love you. We we commit to following your leading and the leading of the Lord as he leads us on to wherever he would have us go. So thanks very much. Let's welcome you. Afterwards, I believe there's a reception across the hall. Don't run out too quick. We'd love to meet you. all um, Let's take a moment and pray. As we commit this time to you, Lord, uh, we're conscious of the fact that we only have so many heartbeats, God, and so many breaths, and that we'll stand before you one day giving account of how we use them. Lord, you, you know we want to use them for your kingdom's sake. That's why we're here. And so, Lord, we would pray. Oh, God, we would pray to you, recognizing that Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's in charge. This is his church. Oh, Lord, would that be so evident to the people around us? Would they recognize, God, that we're not a perfect people? We're not anything special in and of ourselves, but we're broken folk who've been redeemed by a redeemer who wants to set them free. God, would, I pray that that would be communicated by the way we live today, tomorrow, the next day. Lord, we want to thank you for those folk that have come before us. God, I'm conscious of the many men whose names I might not even know over the years as you've used in a major way in your kingdom building here in Erie. And God, we're like Esther for such a time as this. This is our time and place in history, and we don't want to be negligent when they have sacrificed so much. And God, we would pray that those who come behind us do find us faithful and that we, we, we leave FAC better and stronger and, and uh, committed to you, folk coming in and excited about knowing you, with lives changed and marriages put back together and people understanding hope and what life's about in this materialistic world. God, would you, would you do that? We would ask that that would be so. And so, so, Lord, we commit this place to you. We pray that you would remind us regularly that you are in charge. This is your church. And we'd be pleased to be exalted here. In Jesus' name.